The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, the year that I graduated from high school, a movie, now a cult classic, Office Space, came out. And in college, I must have watched this movie at least 25 times. Um, I might not be exaggerating, um, though it's been years since I've seen it, and it's very likely inappropriate for your, your re-watching pleasure if, if this piques your interest. Um, my, my memory is, is probably fuzzy, but in this movie, there's one line that I absolutely love. Um, in my opinion, it's one of the great lines in modern American cinema. Um, and so this movie, it's, it's all about workers in a company in a tech who hate their jobs, basically. Um, and uh, in one of my favorite scenes, there's a character, Tom Smikowski. He's being interviewed by two consultants, both named Bob, uh, known as the Bobs. He's being interviewed by these two consultants who have been brought into the company to, to clean house a bit, to really discern, like, who's doing what around here? Who's dis- indispensable? Who's dispensable? And so the Bobs sit down with Tom, and, and we, we drop in on, on their meeting. And the Bobs say, so what you do here at Inatech is you take the specs from the customers and bring them down to the engineers? And then the Bobs ask it a really natural question. Why doesn't the customer just take the specs directly to the software people? And Tom says, well, because the engineers are not good at dealing with customers. And so the Bobs ask, so what you're saying is, is that you, you physically take the specs from the customer? And Tom says, he's starting to get agitated. He goes, well, no, my secretary does that. And so the Bobs say, so then, you must physically bring them to the software people. And Tom, getting more agitated, says, well, no. And then that's when the line, one of my favorite lines of all time, gets dropped by one of the Bobs. He looks at Tom and he says, what would you say you do here? And Tom tells us, as he's yelling at the bobs, he's his getting agitated, his, his voice is, is raising, he's getting upset. He, he tells them all about how he's a people person. Um, what would you say you do here? Uh, that's really the question that we're seeking to answer in our sermon this morning, in our final week of the Ecclesia series. The series where we've been trying to raise the bar of our understanding of, of what the Word of God teaches about the church. And so we, we've learned a lot about the church, who the, who the church is, what the church is, why, why we gather like this, why we do the things that we do as a church body. And now we ask the question, what do I do here? What is my role in the church? What is your role in the church? So 
quickly as, as we work our way through 1 Corinthians 12. I, I want to draw out from this text three answers, three uh, very much interconnected, interrelated answers to this question. What, what do you say you do here? And so let, let's dive in then this morning with, with our, our first answer to the question, what is your role in the church? The, the first answer is this. Your role is to be a sanctified version of you. Your role is to be a sanctified version of you. Now, we should probably point out here on the front end of the sermon that the the context of this passage is spiritual gifts. This is the topic that that Paul is, is addressing. And apparently the, the, the Corinthians may have had some questions that they posed to, to Paul in a previous letter. He's then answering some of those questions and, and, and bringing some clarification on the topic of spiritual gifts. Now, our question this morning, what is my role in the church? It involves spiritual gifts to be sure. And at the same time, spiritual gifts, particular individual spiritual gifts, um, aren't our intended focus. And so what I'm going to try to do is to stay out of the weeds a bit um, regarding the specifics of spiritual gifts and uh, specific spiritual gifts, um, unfortunately, probably leaving a lot of your burning questions about spiritual gifts unanswered. If you have questions about those afterwards, feel free to to come talk to me. But uh, we're going to try to hang out in the 20 to 30,000 foot level now, the, the first thing you might have noticed about our passage as Victor was reading it is that the first three verses are in parallel with one another. Did you notice that? There's, there was a lot of repetition. In fact, there's a lot of repetition in this passage as a whole. Verse 4 says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Did you see the, the, the parallelism happening there? Now, notice first of all how these, these verses are beautifully Trinitarian. Same Spirit, same Lord, same God. So Paul is... Referring here to the the Holy Spirit, which is obvious, the Lord is a common way that the Son, Jesus Christ, is referred to. And then God is a common way of referring to God the Father. And so what we have here captured in in these three verses is the Trinitarian God, our Trinitarian God. And while there's perfect unity in the triune God's essence, in God's being, there's also diversity in a sense in the three persons of our triune God. Unity and diversity. Now interestingly, diversity and unity are going to emerge as main themes for Paul in the verses that follow. They're going to be main themes for us this morning. And as he sets the table with these three verses in parallel, we're going to see some of that as well. Now, again, this, this passage is speaking about spiritual gifts, but, but already we see Paul kind of broaden things a bit, don't we? Uh, so we, he talks about spiritual gifts in verse 4, but then he, he also speaks of service in verse 5. And I, I think that normal, 
ordinary, everyday acts of service are in view here. Normal, everyday acts of service. And he also speaks in verse 6 of activities. Or uh, if you have a different translation than the ESV, it might say working or effects. Here he, he seems to be speaking about the various ways in which God's divine power works in and through the people in the church. And so then to pull all of this together, there is one God, our triune God, who empowers our various spiritual gifts, who empowers our normal everyday acts of service, who empowers the work and its effects done in our body. Or to say it even more succinctly, our triune God supernaturally empowers a diverse church. Our triune God, he supernaturally empowers a diverse church. A theologian D.A. Carson says this. He says the triune God loves diversity. So much so, as someone has remarked, that when he sends a snowstorm, he makes each flake different. We manufacture ice cubes. Doubtless the church in some sense, it is in some sense like a mighty army. But that does not mean that we should think of ourselves as undifferentiated khaki. We should be more like an orchestra, each taking its own unique, uh, each part taking its own unique contribution to the symphonic harmony. Dictators of the right and the left seek to establish their brand of harmony by forcefully imposing monotonous sameness, by seeking to limit differentiation. God establishes his brand of harmony by a lavish grant of highly diverse gifts, each contributing to the body as a whole. I love that last line, a lavish grant of highly diverse gifts, each contributing to the body as a whole. And so now, now it's, it's, it's important that you and I hear this. And I think verse 11 is, is very clear about this. Verse 11 says this, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions, each, uh, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. And so the, the, hear this, that the Spirit doesn't allocate these diverse gifts according to our will. Not according to your will or to my will. He doesn't allocate these gifts according to our worthiness or our record of obedience. We're not told here that he distributes gifts according to our natural abilities. Gifts aren't given out according to how long you've been a Christian, your intelligence, how good looking you are, your, your personality, how charming or charismatic you are. He doesn't allocate gifts according to your pedigree or your family background or where you came from. He empowers a diverse body of individuals and allocates diverse spiritual gifts to individuals as he wills. And so this brings us back to the question that we're asking this morning, what is my role in the church? In order to answer this question, we need to remember that our God empowers a diverse body in diverse ways with a, a variety of gifts, a variety of service, and a variety of activities. And that if, if you belong to Jesus, then that, that means you. That you have been empowered as well. 
Again, we, we get no sense in this passage that God empowers some Christians, but not all Christians. So as we're asking, what is my role in the church, we need to keep this in mind. Because what if some were empowered and some were not? We get no sense in this passage or in others that, that God does this, that he empowers some but not all. In fact, verse 11, again, says that the Spirit apportions to each one individually. Scripture knows nothing of giftless Christians. So that means if you're a Christian, then he is apportioned to you too. And if that's true, here's what we need as a church. We need you to be you. It sounds simple, and yet it's kind of a profound statement. We, we need you to be you. That's because who you are and who God has gifted you to be matters. It matters to God who empowers your gifts, and it matters to us because we need the power of the Holy Spirit working through you and the spiritual gifts and the personality that he has given to you. And look, what this means is this, that you don't have to be someone else. What this means is you don't have to be like someone else. What this means is you don't have to lead or serve or love like someone else. We simply need you to be you as a part of the diverse body. Now, of course, it's, it's worth pointing out that on the one hand, yes, God created you to be you, and he's gifted you with gifts and, and a personality, everything that you're supposed to have, and yet on the other hand, you are imperfect, just as I am, right? And who you are and your experience of who God has made you and gifted you to be is affected and distorted by sin and wounds. So we have to be really clear about that. So, uh, so then we, we don't just need you to be you, but we need you to be a, a sanctified version of you. By sanctified, I mean two things. Number one, sanctified in the sense that in Christ, you've been chosen and set apart by God for God. It's the first sense of the meaning of, of the word sanctified. To be sanctified is to be set aside for special use. So the question is, have you been set aside through faith in Christ? We need you to be sanctified. Secondly, though, we mean sanctified in the sense that God is at work in you. And that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're walking in repentance and faith, and that He is progressively transforming you into the image and likeness of Christ. That might be a slow and excruciating process. But we need the sanctified version of you, the, the, the version that is being slowly transformed into the image and likeness of Christ. We need you walking in repentance and faith in, in Jesus. So then, not, not only do we need you to be you, but we need a sanctified version of you. And with that then, we reach a point in the passage where Paul is going to introduce a metaphor. He's going to carry this metaphor through the rest of the chapter. And the metaphor is that of a body. That of a body. And that brings us then to our, our second point, our second answer to the question, what is my role in the church? What is your role in the church? Secondly, your role is to be an interdependent member of the body. An interdependent member of the body. 
verse 12. Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now you probably noticed this again as, as Victor was reading. The word body occurs a number of times in this passage. In fact, in chapter 12, I counted 19 times. And the final occurrence in verse 27 tells us even more specifically that not only are we a part of a body, but that we in fact are the body of Christ. Verse, verse 27 of chapter 12 says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So you're not just a member of the body, but you are the body. And it's with this metaphor of the body that Paul calls us to be more than a diverse group of individuals with diverse spiritual gifts engaged in varieties of service. It's with this metaphor that Paul calls us to unity. Unity in Christ in the midst of our beautiful diversity. You see, that the church isn't just a random collection of diverse individuals all kind of doing their own thing. It's more than just you being a sanctified version of you. You see, you and I, we were made and saved to be a part of a larger unified whole. That's what Paul is getting at here. You see, we've all trusted in the same gospel. We've all been united by faith to the same Savior. We were all made to drink of the same Spirit and in fact are now indwelt by that same Spirit. We're all part of the same body. And the thing about a body is this, that a body on the one hand has many members. You got fingers, you got hands, you got arms, you got a torso, you got legs, you got kneecaps, lots going on up here in the head area. And at the same time, the body is one. The body is one. And so that there are two main implications of all of this that we need to remember if we're going to rightly understand our role in the church. The first implication is this, that the body needs you. The body needs you. Look at verse 14. It says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Look, you might be sitting here today and you might not feel like you're a part of the body. You might feel like an outsider. You might feel like you don't contribute as much as other people do to our body. You might see your gifts as less significant than other people's gifts. And yet, what Paul is saying here is that you're still a part of the body. More than that, you're still a vital part of the body. In fact, at the end of our passage, Paul says those that seem to be weaker and seem to be less honorable should actually be given greater honor by the rest of the body. And so then, if, if you're the type who is insecure, 
about who you are, if you're the self-deprecating type, the kind of person that downplays or belittles your own gifts, then let me just be really clear about something this morning. The, The body needs you because no one here can be you except you. And the Lord, by His Spirit, has gifted you in unique and significant ways as a member of the body of Christ and as a member of the Two Pillars Church body as well. And so often it's comparison that brings us to this point of insecurity, isn't it? Like, I'm not as gifted or as needed or as talented or as charismatic or as smart or as good a leader or as good a public speaker or as good a teacher or as good a fill-in-the-blank as that other person over there. So we, we find ourselves saying things like, if only I were more like him, if only I were more like her, we tell ourselves, then, then I might be able to contribute in a more meaningful and significant way to this body. If, if only I was more like that person. But Paul has something to say to those of us who are making these comparisons. He says, if, if, the, body weren't, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Each one of them, he's arranged the body as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? I would just argue that there's there's no room left here for comparisons, for belittling or for downplaying one's own gifts or the gifts of another. You see, God didn't make a mistake when he endowed and empowered gifts in you. Likewise, he isn't frustrated with you because you've kind of given him a little bit too little to work with. God has arranged each one of the members of the body, including our body here, as he chose. And that means that he's gifted you as he chose. That means that he has empowered you as he chose. And look, Two Pillars Church doesn't need more of someone else. Two Pillars Church needs you. And Paul highlights the absurdity of what we're really saying when we downplay our gifts, when we compare ourselves to others, when we covet the gifts of others. He says it's, it's basically the same as seeing an eye and saying what this, what this body really needs is a, lot, a whole lot more eyes. Right? But, but he says if, if the whole body were an eye... How would it hear? Like a body needs an ear or two, right? And furthermore, if the body was just one giant eye or a whole bunch of eyes somehow weirdly joined together, that's not actually a body at all, is it? And let's be honest, it's kind of creepy. Like no one wants to see that. I don't know that that would be attractive to the world around us. It might give some of us nightmares. And so without its many parts, hear this, without its many parts, the body suffers. Without you, the body suffers. Without you, Two Pillars Church, it suffers. And this is why it's been so hard to see people leave over the last two years. We've lost parts of the body, and we've suffered because of it. So then the body needs you, but that's not all. 
course, because secondly, you need the body, don't you? Paul says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Without its many parts, the body suffers, but the opposite is true as well. Without the body, the individual parts of the body suffer. This is why Paul doesn't describe the church as a pile of body parts, does he? Um, that would be just as creepy as the whole eye thing um, that has like horror movie kind of connotations to it. Paul doesn't refer to them as a pile of body parts or a collection of, of body parts. He refers to them as a body. What's, what's the difference between a pile of body parts and a body? Well, a body has been united together as one single unified whole. There's unity of being. There's unity of purpose. And there's a harmonious pursuit of that purpose. And furthermore, apart from a body, what happens to a body part? It shrivels up and it dies. This is another thing that concerns me about those that we've seen Leave our body. Those we know have left other bodies in our church. I, my, my fear is that uh, many, some, haven't reconnected with another body in our church at all. So they're kind of detached members, just like kind of floating around. And, and my fear is that that's a really dangerous place to be. Now, that the word I would use to describe the picture that Paul is painting here. The picture he's painting here of the, the relationship between the parts of the body and the body itself is interdependence. Interdependence on the one hand is not some like exaggerated sense of independence or detachment. Okay? So that's not what inter interdependence is getting at. Nor is interdependence an exaggerated sense of dependence or codependency or enmeshment on the other hand. Rather, to be interdependent is to have a healthy and settled sense of me while at the same time having a healthy sense of my dependence on others. It's to have a healthy and settled sense of me while at the same time having a healthy sense of my dependence upon others. To say it another way, the body needs you and you need the body. So then, what is my role in the church? It's, my role in the church is to be a sanctified version of me and an interdependent member of the body. Sure, yes, but now the question is to what end? I think we need, I think we need a finer point on our answer to the question. The, the question now is, what are we working towards? What is our goal? What is our desired end here? That brings us to the, the third and final answer. What is your role in the church? Well, it's to strive for the edification of the body. Verse 7 kind of hints around and gives us, gives us a clue at the, 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 the finer point to the answer that we're looking for. Paul tells the Corinthians why the Spirit gives gifts to members of the body in the first place. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each is given a, manifest, a manifestation of the Spirit for, what? The common good. And then in verse 25 and 26, he says that the members of the Corinthian church should, number one, care for one another, 
And then he says that if, if one member suffers, all suffer together. And then if one member is honored, all rejoice together. And then in, in verse 14, he kind of blows the lid off of this, and he makes, it, uh, he makes the point even more clear. And it's seven times in chapter 14 that we see the word upbuild or the phrase build up. Seven times in chapter 14, we see upbuild or, or build up. For example, in verse 12 of chapter 14, he says, So with yourselves... Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, he's talking about spiritual gifts at this point. Since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. If, if you're eager for spiritual gifts, if you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, this is what you should do. Strive for the building up of the church. And we see the same thing in, in Ephesians 4. I just want to just want to overwhelm you with Scripture to make the point here. Ephesians 4, Paul writes, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, there's a metaphor, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, that's you and that's me, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The purpose of our spiritual gifts, the, the reason that we've been given them is always the edification or the building up of the body of Christ. And so in a sense, your gifts aren't so much for you as they are for us. And of course, you're a part of us. But your gifts, they're not so much for you as they are for us. Now look, we're not talking merely about the strengthening of, of Two Pillars Church as an organization here. We're not talking about the 501c3. Okay, we're not talking about more warm bodies in the seats. We're not talking growth strategies here. We aren't talking about increasing tithing. When we talk about building up the church, we aren't talking about growing our status or our reputation in our city or our influence in our city. The kind of building up we're talking about here is the, the building up of the church in Christ. The edification of the body in Christ. And so therefore, we're talking about growing in grace and knowledge and understanding of Christ. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about growing in our obedience as we follow Christ. Walking humbly in repentance and faith in Him. That's what we're talking about when we say strive for the upbuilding of the church. We're talking about growing in our ability to be like Christ and have the very mind of Christ. We're talking about growing in our reliance upon Christ. We're talking about growing in our willingness to speak truth and love, to point one another to Christ and to live out the one another's of Scripture together. We're talking about growing in our testimony and our witness for Christ in our city. We're talking about growing in boldness as we preach and proclaim Christ to the lost in our city as Christ's ambassadors. 
We're talking about growing in our joy and satisfaction in Christ. We're talking about growing in our hope in Christ. We're talking about growing in steadfastness as we suffer for and with Christ. We're talking about growing in our anticipation of Christ's return. This is what it means to be about the building up of the edification of the church in Christ. And this is your role, this is my role, this is our role as members of the body of Christ. We are to be about, we are to work towards, we are to strive for the building up of the church. And so then, to get really practical, three questions to take with you, uh, perhaps to, to discuss in gospel communities this week, to journal about. Question one, in light of all of this, how is the Lord uniquely created and gifted you. How is the Lord uniquely created and gifted you? Now let me say, there are 101 different ways to, to seek out an answer to this question, right? And so there, there are lots of uh, um, helpful assessments you can take, quizzes and, and so on and so forth. If you're interested in drilling down to specifically what are my, what is my spiritual gifts, what are my spiritual gifts, uh, look, I, I don't want to poo-poo those things, but let me say this in addition to that. If our gifts are intended to be used for the edification of the body, then perhaps, and I think I've said this at least one other time in the past in, a, in another sermon, perhaps then the, the most ideal place to discover what your gifts are aren't in isolation, but rather the the most effective way, the most effective environment in which to discover who God has created you to be, whether we're talking spiritual gifts or just your, your God-given unique personality, I think the best place to do that is in the context of community, perhaps in the context of a gospel community. And so you might want to discuss this with others, solicit feedback. It might be that someone else in your gospel community has a better idea than you do of, of how God has uniquely gifted you. And so how can you grow in self-awareness of how God has, has uniquely created you? How he has uniquely empowered you? And that's the thing about spiritual gifts. We're not just talking about like kind of neat aspects to our personality. We're talking about special, supernatural ways that the Holy Spirit's power works through you for our good. So how was the Lord uniquely created and gifted you? Question number two, in what ways does our body need you? I cheated, it's two questions. And no one's surprised, if you've read our gospel community guides, no one's surprised. Every question has five sub-questions, that's how we roll around here. In what ways does our body need you? Conversely, in what ways do you need our body? In what ways does our body need you? In what ways do you need our body? Well, flesh out this idea of interdependence. What does it look like for you to have a healthy and settled sense of you and your kind of God-given role in our body? While at the same time, having a healthy sense of your dependence and reliance upon God, to be, uh, to be sure, but also the rest of the body. Thirdly, how are you striving for the edification of Two Pillars Church? 
Maybe that word striving kind of nails you to the wall. That's not my word. That's Paul's word. Maybe, maybe this isn't a thing that you're striving for at all. Maybe, maybe you're just not sure. I, I, I don't know. I don't know what it looks like to work for and, and towards the edification of our body here. Let, look, let, let's talk. Let's talk about that in our gospel communities. Let, let's talk about that in... Uh, Let's talk about that one-on-one with, with one of the pastors or with another brother or sister um, here today. Let's, let's help you to, to find an answer to the question. Figure out what it looks like for you to strive for the edification of the church. Let, let me ask this. Are, are you serving? Are you serving in some way? And, and my point is to, not necessarily to get more people serving, but to ask this question. How are you serving in such a way that you're putting your gifts to use and you're serving as no one else in our body could serve. What I mean by that is like, take a, 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 something like a brewing coffee in the Geneva house. What does it look like for you to assume a sense of ownership over that kind of volunteer role and responsibility and to do so in such a way that you put your gifts and your God-given personality to work? For the, the building up of the brothers and sisters that enter into the, the Geneva house to grab a cup of coffee, what does it look like for you to, um, to uh, exercise hospitality and to put your gifts to use? How can you brew coffee in the morning? How can you teach our kids downstairs in the morning? How can you uh, sing up here in the morning in, in a way that no one else can? I, I just I, I want to take us beyond like a, a title, beyond an official role. The same, same could be asked about leading. What does it look like for you to lead as a Holy Spirit empowered you? And as you do so, to, to strive for the edification of our church. What does it look like for you to, to love other people in our body uniquely as you? To be a conduit of the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God. Hospitality, I think, is a is a, a, a huge thing here. What what might it look like for you to practice hospitality, to provide you with a platform to put your gifts to use for the edification and the building up of others in our body? I think it's a, I think it's a great way to if you're asking a question. Gosh, I, okay, I'm, I'm I'm serving and I'm 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 leading in some ways maybe, but I'm looking for some ways to to put my gifts to use. Well, what does it look like for you to, to put them to use as you practice hospitality? Maybe inviting people into your home, for example. So, brothers and sisters, what would you say you do here? That's the question. What, what is your role in the church? Well, the answer is that your role is to do what no one else in our church can do. Your role is to do what, what no one else can do. It's a sanctified version of you. You put your Holy Spirit endowed and fueled gifts to use as an interdependent member of our body as you strive for the edification of our body. Wrap up with this. This is what the, the late Jay Packer, who, who passed away in the summer of 2020, writes about spiritual gifts. 
It says, our exercise of spiritual gifts is nothing more nor less than Christ himself ministering through his body, to his body, to the Father, and to all mankind. From heaven, Christ uses Christians as his mouth, his hands, his feet, and even his smile. It is through us, his people, that he speaks and acts, meets, loves, and saves here and now in the world. And so then may Christ himself use you to minister through his body to his body. And may we all strive together for the building up of our body. Let's pray. Lord, I am I was grateful for this church family, this, this church body that you have established in Two Pillars Church. And I, as I even look around the room right now and, and consider even some of those who aren't physically with us here today, I, I'm just overwhelmed by the, the diverse array of, of personalities and strengths and weaknesses and giftings and talents and on and on and on. And Lord, I give you thanks this morning for each and every one of those. Thank you for each and every person that is a, a part of our body. Father, would you remind us that in our diversity, because of Jesus, we enjoy uh, this incredible and profound sense of unity. We're all members of the body, and, and we are the body. So Lord, Lord help us to, to gain a, just a, a settled sense of, of me, who I am, who have, who have you created us individually to be as members of a body. And Lord, help us to, to, to have a, a healthy and settled sense of us as well. Help us to learn to, to humbly rely upon and depend upon the rest of the body and the individual parts of it, Lord. Father, would you use each of us individually, all of us collectively, as conduits of the power of your Spirit to build us up in Christ. Father, we pray these things in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.